thing on. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Cut. I'm your host, Christian Williams, and I am here, as always, with Randy Hall. It's Randy's birthday. Happy birthday, Randy. And how are you? Thank you. Doing good. I, I have my parents up here all weekend. Uh, it was really, really nice. A lot of busy friends up here, so it was nice to have the family up here and kind of get to show them around town, at least the parts I know, and have some fun, go to a Brewers game, even though it was hot as hell. <laughs> yeah. but yeah it was, it was really fun good day only worked like half a day at work so worked out pretty well <laughs> yeah i'm i'm still rocking on vacation uh i had a kid quit oh, man i had a kid quit and i went to work because i i work out there i went to work and they're like did you see that this person quit i said i don't care i don't care I'm, i'll care about that when i get back on wednesday even though i do yeah that's that's there. a wednesday christian thing that's not... <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're gonna let uh sunday christian not deal with that but um but yeah so vacation and half days we're we're rocking it and we've got a lot of nfl news to talk about uh, including training camp battles we're gonna go through the nfc south uh, depth charts the way we've been going through depth charts across the league and i believe this is our last one so we will have concluded that series over the last uh, two months, I feel like we've been doing this for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, it's a thankfully at this point. It yeah, it's two months yeah. for sure. It's eight divisions. Yeah, so, yeah and and we cool. did we did a couple, but we also stopped doing it for a week. So, um, but yeah, and then we're gonna also training camps are starting. We're getting actual training camp news, and I think by the end of this week, every single training camp will have kicked off. Maybe next Monday yes. is one of the last yeah, report it, dates. It, yeah, it's. I, yeah, I would say by middle of next week, it's absolutely everyone. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we do have some NFL news in the first one. Uh, so John Mechie, I, I'm sure everyone has seen this, but John Mechie has leukemia. Um, it's the most curable form of leukemia, but he is likely out for the season. They, I don't believe, have put him on season-ending IR just yet. Um, no. I don't see them necessarily doing that either. Um, just because if he can, if, if his body fights it off quickly, there's a chance he could come back. And while he wouldn't probably have full snap count, maybe just getting him uh, the last couple of games, some reps, uh, if he's healthy, fully healthy and all that, it's not the worst idea for a rookie who's also coming back from a torn ACL. So yeah. it's kind of a double whammy to where if he can come back, it, it's just, it's up in the air because the Texans aren't going to be a playoff team as of current outlook. So the odds of them kind of forcing a rookie that just had cancer and recovered from a major injury to play the first year for the last couple of games, it's something I'm not like expecting, but I, I would understand it if it's more of just a, Hey, let's get him on the field as a celebratory thing for him. Kind of like the chiefs did with Eric Berry a couple of times. And it's just, it does make sense in that aspect. 
Yeah, and and it's important to know that he said that he probably won't play this year, but they haven't ruled anything out yet. So yeah. that is a world. There's a world in which he does play the last few weeks. Um, you know, I I wouldn't call it likely either. I, I think he'll probably sit this year out and then take the full off season to train up for for what will be his rookie year next year. Um, since he'll be missing yeah, the whole season, it's so. it just it depends on the the treatment is the biggest thing because. Um, it just the most recent thing I've seen just from a fan's perspective is with uh, wrestling, actually their big champion right now, I think it was two years ago, his leukemia came back and he just, he took more of like a, a pill form. It wasn't more radiation. So his body didn't get, you know, as deteriorated as he would with radiation and stuff like that. And he was able to come back a little bit faster. So that could be the case with Mechie and why they aren't taken down, but We'll see. Obviously, we have no idea. We will not know anything, you know, <laughs> until we know. Yeah, until for Literally sure. Until it's, it's, yeah, it'll be for sure cured, and then it'll be written about what happened, what he took, how the process went, stuff like that. So yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so unfortunate news, but hoping for a speedy recovery, and I hope 100%. everything goes smoothly. And I think it will. Um, and I think yeah. you know, I saw a lot of people panicking about John Mechie and Dynasty. I. I wouldn't. I I just think, uh, you know, he's he's gonna play football again. That that would be my outlook right now. So, um, okay. Next thing, well, I guess we'll just talk through other injuries right now. Justin Ross, the undrafted free agent, Justin Ross, that probably shouldn't have been cleared by Clemson last year, actually had a foot injury that knocked him out for the season. So, uh, Justin Ross not looking good. I know a lot of people had him in dynasty and were drafting him. Um, I, you know, this is a bummer. I, I was kind of hoping that he would make the team and I was hoping that he could get on the field a little bit. Uh, but it just kid, it, it's been his, his whole career has been derailed by injuries. So yeah, um, he'll still make the team because this won't take up a roster spot now. True. But yeah. The, the only bright spot of it, is it's a completely different injury. That's that's right. the only bright spot. It's uh, so it doesn't necessarily say anything about career length or career prospects. But it, it this is the year that it would have been nice to be able to at least rotate on the field and show what you're worth with kind of the up in the air, especially contract wise, um, with his passing quarter of the Chiefs. I, th- I think he. Had a chance, probably not to break out, but to be a steady contributor and probably earn a spot on the team more than anything. Um, just because he is a sure-handed, steady route runner type of guy, and a little bit more of a jump ball at times. I mean, he was he was a consistent option a lot of the times. So I think he could get back to that. Probably a little bit diminished role uh, than we could have saw in college or what the prospects could have been. But we'll see. I, I am hopeful because it's a completely different thing. That's the only thing. <laughs> Cause if it was yeah. back back again, it would be not even me caring about fantasy. It'd be me. Okay, dude, you got to retire. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bummer. I mean, Justin Ross was supposed to be Jamar chase before Jamar chase. You know, he, he yes. had an insane freshman year. That um, was going to be a generational talent at the position. And then, you know, injuries kind of took hold of his career and now, He's not going to get to work out for a whole year, which might actually be good. You know, maybe the rest on the neck and stuff, maybe in the long run, this is better for his career. Yeah, we've we've seen slightly similar uh, projections from Mike Williams in the past where 
a lot of time sitting was really good for him. He still came in. It was kind of very injury prone for the first couple of seasons, but he's now more of a fulfilled and not as injured wide receiver. I wouldn't have him as injury prone anymore. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably the absolute ceiling for Justin Ross. What, I mean, what Mike Williams is doing right now, but I don't think he gets there ever, but he could still be a very, very relevant person, at least for football. I, I will, fantasy is a whole different story, but. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last note. So pup lists, uh, unable to perform lists are filling up right now. And Just full. <laughs> Not yeah, even filling they, up. They're full. They are, they are full. And I think the first wave of pup lists, uh, like adding to the pup list is kind of over. I guess when a few more teams report later this week, we'll, we'll get some more news. Here's the thing though. So training camp pup lists and, Week one pup lists are, are very different. Yes. All of these players can come off the pup list at any point. So J.K. Dobbins, he's starting on the pup list. Next week, he could come off the pup list and he could start he, practicing. He um, could come off in an hour. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not even yeah. like a day by day. It's a minute by minute with yeah. that list. So. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's like if you open your taxi squad for the whole season – uh, that's what training camp is like. You can just yes. flip people uh, all around or like in your taxi squad and dynasty right now, you can be moving people in and out. That is the pub list right now. So don't panic. Uh, JK Dobbins still has a chance to make it to week one. I think there are a lot of players. JK Dobbins is just the first one that comes to mind, but there are a lot of players that uh, could very well. Um, yeah. It, it's a know, lot of people like, that weren't even really injured coming into the year too. It's just people that are just a little banged up right now. Not like, coming back from Achilles and uh, ACL injuries and, you know, right. and the one person that I thought would be on it most, James Robinson, isn't, which makes That's what I was going to say. It's crazy. Um, it, it's crazy to me that James Robinson is healthy enough to practice. Um, that was always kind of what the Jacksonville front office was saying and the coaching staff. They were saying they were thinking he would be back by training camp, and he is. I know a lot of – uh, Injury-focused analysts are saying, "Well, that doesn't mean he's going to perform. It doesn't, but uh, you know, it's a good sign, right? It's a good sign that he's able to get." Yeah, it's a great so. sign. It doesn't necessarily mean he plays week one, but the fact that he can start progressing towards that goal already right. is is the best part. Because yeah. I mean, I think we both had him out for like three to five games. I can't remember off the top of my head. So, I mean, if you cut that down to maybe none or maybe miss one or two, that adds yeah. up. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, any other news that you want to discuss? No, I mean, the NFL Plus app kind of came out only for like mobile devices. Yeah. So it is the stepping stone possibly to NFL taking over Sunday ticket basically on their own, but that still isn't for sure. That's why it's it's just a quick mention because while they did upgrade it from last year and maybe all 22 for NFL games is a little bit better, and it's just you're really just getting replays and coach film. That's basically it at this point, but it does give you the platform that they might just take everything, and the pricing tiers aren't bad. So if they keep the same pricing tiers – uh, 40 and 80 dollars for a year you know and have everything that would be phenomenal but there's still better than <laughs> solid chance that apple or amazon takes that 
role. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting. Um, I, I started my seven day free trial and it functions about the same, which worries me for the all 22, which is not available yet. Yeah, um, I know there was a ton of problems with that last year. Yeah, it, it's almost like they copied and pasted Game Pass. And so I am I said that I was going to let others test it out before I got it. I With my seven-day free trial, I picked the monthly option. So I'm going to spend 10 bucks for August and kind of see what that looks like. Um, yeah. And I, hopefully... You could watch any preseason game you want, though. You can. Yeah, and I, and I will. I mean, I, that, I'm not quite I, sure how helpful that is, but... I I used the hell out of my Game Pass last year, and I was just so frustrated with it. So I'm hoping that they fix the All-22 aspect of it. And if that's all that this is, and then Sunday Ticket does go to Apple, like, I'm cool with that if I don't have to pay extra to Apple. But I probably I mean, will, and that's the will. other aspect of it, yeah. Well, so. but you say that... But there's there's been other, um, I mean, back to wrestling, Peacock took over the entire streaming service capability for that, and it didn't upcharge them at all. I know that that pricing market is a little bit more different. It, even if it is a monthly thing, it's a little bit different than what Sunday Ticket is. So, yeah, I mean, it could just be an additional package for maybe, you know, 40 or 50 a month on top of what you pay for Apple TV, which wouldn't be terrible for you know five months yeah for sure i i'm i'm excited for it i hope that things are better that's what i will say there same sunday uh, ticket is eh. it's uh, i had, I had, one had year. it for every year and it's eh. i mean even like you can only stream it from one device at a time like like if i stream it from a fire stick my sister can't watch it at all like it's it's really dumb yeah it, it, they they watch that and i hope that that's their goal is to fix that so uh last piece of news i guess we don't have i i guaranteed that we would have lots of news by today we don't um which is strange he reported a training camp today so um that's problematic am i like i i find it irresponsible that the nfl hasn't gotten that done but it is what it is and i'm kind of hoping that uh, we have something before the end of this week. Just, yeah, I was going to say before the end of the month, but that's the end of this week. So uh, <laughs> let's let's just hope before August hits here, we have full Watson news so we can just move the fuck on. Yeah, I'm so tired of it, man. I'm so tired. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get over to our training camp battles. Um, I, I didn't mention at the top of the show, we're going to try to hit some Marvel talk since we have uh, – kind of talked about that for the last three weeks that we didn't have time. So uh, might zip through some of these uh, first training camp battle that we should discuss is the Carolina quarterback situation. So uh, Baker Mayfield is now a, a new entry into that quarterback room. Matt Corral is also a new entry into that quarterback room and Sam Darnold is there. Uh, Sam Darnold probably has the upper hand as we're speaking right now. Um, but and, and Matt Rule is saying how he expects Matt Corral to come out there and, and compete. He doesn't have a chance, though, right? Like He's just not – he's not ready. Like, yeah. talent-wise, there's definitely a shot, like, that he could take over his team for the future, at least, you know, from a rookie contract tag kind of situation. Um, 
just because there is a talent level there, but he still needs some seasoning. This is, I mean, they're going to say Darnold's job because he's the incumbent. This is Baker's job to lose, and I don't think he loses it unless he's, you know, thoroughly damaged that shoulder. Um, I mean, me and you both listened to the athletics coverage of, you know, the Andrew Luck story, and it took him two years to get back from how much damage he did to his shoulder, pretty much doing the same thing as Baker here. So we'll see. I, I All accounts are he's fine, so that's the plus side. And he's the better quarterback right now, plain and simple. By a lot. He's he's yeah. easily the best quarterback in this room. Yeah, uh, you, I th- you could get behind the two right now, in my opinion. Like, it, And we both love Dartle coming out. He's just – if anything, he's, he's regressed. You know, yeah, he's, he's a mess. Yeah. Uh, I will also say, Baker, this is the first offseason in which he worked with a quarterback coach. Uh, and so I think all of those footwork issues that we've seen in the past might be on the mend. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll we see. will see. But he's he's going to win the job. I, I've, I've projected yeah, Baker for 17 I, games. So Yeah. Honestly, I, I haven't even projected out the Panthers quarterback room. I don't think I've done any of these three rooms, to be honest with you, just for the fact that I was like, let's see how minicam goes. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, So the next one, Marcus Mariota versus Desmond Ritter. Uh, There have been some dueling reports from B writers there Uh, early in minicamp, not just rookie minicamp, but like the full team minicamp. It was Desmond Ritter looks the part. He looks advanced. He looks like he's making NFL throws. And then uh, a couple weeks later, it came out that, well, Marcus Mariota still has the lead by a wide margin in this quarterback battle. Um, I know you think Mariota is going to win the job. I think I walked back my prediction that Ritter would take it week one. And I said that by week three, he will have the job. But Mariota is going to win it out of camp is what I said. So. Yeah, Mariota is the starter. Now, how long that remains, I do not know. <laughs> yeah. Because just because he's he's the vet, they're going to let him start. It's just plain and simple. It's not it's not a slate to Ritter. I think Ritter could be ready. It's just, oh fuck, that's not good. I was hoping they had an early bye week. They have a week fourteen bye. Shit. Yeah, and that's why like shit, shit, shit. it's kind of a pick 'em on their schedule on when you think that Ritter could make it back. I don't remember. Like they were a decent team last year with Matt Ryan. I think they're worse clearly, even with an influx of talent from a draft class. Um, So, I I mean, we halfway through week eight, maybe Ritter, you know, they're, they're two and six. And they're like, let, you know what, let's shake it up. Let's see what the kids got. We're not making the playoffs unless he's got something anyways. Let's just see what happens, you know. And, well, I don't think he writes the ship year one and gets him in the playoffs. I think he does enough in that situation uh, to warrant them sticking with him, at least for a couple years. Yeah. I think unless the Panthers' defense takes a massive step forward, which it could because there's a lot of talent, I think circling that first Panthers game as like the target date might be a good option. I said that by week four he'll have the job. Week four they play the Browns, which I think would be 
That's not great. Well, for a rookie. Yeah, he's not getting that because even if Watson's gone that game, which I think is almost inevitability, um, you're still not putting Ritter in against the Browns defense in a winnable game if you know it's Brissett. You know, yeah. you're gonna have the steady vet option. And you know what? I like Mariota played really well in spurts for the Raiders, so I think there's a level of disrespect and a level of excitement for Ritter that's coping, uh, coupling to make it that we're just writing off Mariota. That's I think Mariota easily wins the job just because Ritter still has seasoning left to be done, to even be ready to take NFL snaps. Just saying. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that he could not, play today. It's not the most, but he definitely has seasoning. I and again, I mean, I, I'm saying I think midway through the year he probably takes over just because his team is really bad, but we'll see. Yeah. You need to know what they have in him. If they have yes. Dak Prescott 2.0 or Russell Wilson 2.0, I think we'll know that well before midway through the season, and I think that will be the well, caveat. Both so. those guys, you know, well, Dak didn't, but Dak Russell, sat. yeah, well, but he, Dak only sat because Romo was there. Exactly. And once Romo was hurt, Dak took over and was better. Uh, yeah. Then it banged up Romo. And, you know, Wilson just outright won the job from Matt Flynn, who fair fucking enough. Uh, well, and also Matt Flynn was the big contract guy that year. Yes. And that's why, like, this is this is an interesting one to keep an eye on. This is the one I'm most excited for, I think, of all the ones we're going to talk about. So, Yeah, well, because the first one I think is an almost uh, – it's, it's, yeah, it's like academic at this point, like – that's happening. Baker's winning. This one, I think it's kind of the same thing where Marriott is winning, but for how long? Because they're not, there's not a, enough of a gap that it's really going to matter, when, especially when you factor in potential for the future. Yeah. But speaking of. <laughs> yeah. So, last quarterback battle that we need to talk about is Mitchell Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. Um, this is an interesting one because I think that when they signed Mitchell Trubisky, they weren't sure what they were going to do at quarterback. I know that he was a bridge, but there's no guarantees that your guy is going to fall to you in the draft. And I think that they signed Trubisky hoping that he would be that bridge and kind of start for a year. Thing about Pickett is he's probably the most NFL ready in terms of like, yeah. well, I, I would argue Ritter is more NFL ready, but the NFL uh says that Pickett is right they drafted him in the first they drafted only him in the first who do you think wins this do you think Trubisky wins it out of the gate yes um this is tough because right now I don't think it's close and that's because unlike Ritter where we saw mixed reports and we saw him taking some first team snaps here and there uh, obviously he took rookie minicamp first team snaps but the key, they're rotating minute times, and it does seem as more of a, well, let's just show them how it works as the QB1, then we're going to compete fully there. But it is nowhere near that in Pittsburgh so far, and that's why training camp is going to be huge because Pickett's been pretty much exclusively working with the third-team guys. And yes. while that's okay as he's learning the system, now that we're in training camp, it's either they're competing for it or they're fucking not. And – we obviously right now we don't know because it hasn't really we ha, we don't know yet, but I think they should have him compete because I don't think Trubisky's bulletproof enough to just let him take all the first team snaps and have pick it on third team. That's that's pretty ridiculous to me. 
um, even if you do think he's not ready day one. But but then you run into the problem of Trubisky's in a new system. If he doesn't get all the first-team reps, he's not going to be fully ready. So we'll see how they play it. And I do think Trubisky takes it. And the problem, the difference here is they're going to be at least a 500 team with Trubisky just because this defense is phenomenal. You have a good running back. You have great receivers, great tight end, a better line. We'll say that. Uh, And at least the same level of quarterback play coming here, if not easily elevated. I mean, well, Ben, Ben had noodle arm. There was definitely times where um, his, his IQ carried the offense. So we'll see if they can kind of compete on that level. Yeah, the only point I want to bring up here is that Madden actually said that Kenny Pickett was the QB4 last year. I don't know if you – we didn't talk about the Madden ratings dropping because That's, I have not been super thrilled with that. The first ones are always jank. They're, they're they always are. jank, so I'm good. Uh, but they had Ritter as the QB1, Malik Willis as the QB2, uh, and then – no, they had Pickett QB3. He was he's a 67 or 68 overall or something like that, which is not ideal for your first round rookie. And uh, they have Trubisky five five I think overall points ahead. So uh, yeah, but they so they're it, always going to have that. Yeah, so. If Madden's any indication, Kenny Pickett sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think this is a mid season switch as well. I think even if Trubisky plays well, I think they're going to need to get Pickett on the field. Or I mean the 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 history of quarterbacks that have sat their full rookie year and been good uh, the following year is not, not great. Uh, we look at Jordan Love. It really doesn't happen all that often. Um, Patrick Mahomes even came in the last week. What's that? The Steelers have a week nine by and come off facing the Saints. Not ideal, well, they, but... They faced the Saints in week 10. Sorry if that yeah. was confusing. That's not ideal, but you know what? Sink or swim, buddy. Here you go. At least it's right in the middle of the season. Yeah. I, I mean, the Saints aren't – I mean, they're not scary. Secondary-wise, they are. And they still Gosh, have shit. Jordan. Yeah, they still have Marcus Davenport. Like, Davenport, yeah. Uh, it's more just, I mean, Lattimore uh, – yeah, they've got everyone. CJ Johnson <laughs> or Gardner Johnson. Um, yeah. oh, Jesus, that's Marcus May, right? Yeah, they said Marcus May and Honey Badger. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're they're legit. And a that would be a terrible game. Who played better than most expected last year? So yeah. that's she. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> legit. That would be an, a not so great uh, opening game for Kenny Pickett, but that might be what happens. I mean. It depends on where the Steelers are at, I guess. So, um, okay. Any other quarterback notes before we move into other battles? Cool. Um, Okay. First running back room that I want to start with. So Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, and Brian Robinson, I think is worth noting how the snaps are being played uh, in training camp because we all kind of assume that Antonio Gibson is still the starter. I think – that, I think that's a good assumption. I think he is very talented. I think he's easily the best back here. 
They drafted Brian Robinson in the third, and then they also made it a point to bring back J.D. McKissick after he had already kind of agreed to terms with the Buffalo Bills. So the role for Gibson might just be kind of strange, um, kind of like the Miles Sanders role last year for the Eagles, where it was like he gets the low value touches, you know, uh, he's playing in the 20 to 20 range. And then after that, it's other people. Um, how, do, how do you see this kind of shaking out, Randy? That honestly, unfortunately, is probably the most realistic option. Um, but it really depends on how they view Biden, Brian Robinson and how he plays because uh, from his tape, uh, I don't think he even deserves to be in the conversation. Um, and he also didn't deserve to be a third round pick. So that's just our take on him. Uh, and, you know, Gibson took a majority of snaps from McKissick last year. It's just McKissick had some high value, two minute drill and high value third down snaps that kept him alive for fantasy, but he was definitely better the year before. Now you add in a third mouth to possibly take goal line touches or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, third and one touches. Um, the role could expand or be very narrow. So we really don't know. I think Gibson is clearly still a starter, but having the third head possibility as well as a goal line possibility taken away from him that wasn't there with McKissick is definitely scary. And Miles Sanders from last year with maybe at least a couple touchdowns does seem like the more realistic option right now, which sucks. It does. Um, But you know what? I have confidence in, in my eyes, and I know that Brian Robinson is not that good. I just, he's, I, not. he's not that good. Um, he and can fall so, forward for two yards. He can, and I think that like he did learn how to be agile in short bursts last year more than he was before. But it's not enough. Like at the NFL level, it's it's not going to be enough. He was a day three prospect, so no, it is what is it? What, what's people that? act like he is like a fucking burst one cut back and it really bothers me. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not just that. not, he's not that uh, it will be interesting to, to keep an eye on. And this is one of the rooms that I want to keep uh, the closest eye on, I guess um, another one. So I guess we'll go to your Raiders. Uh, happy birthday. Your Raiders have a big like running back, weird backfield going on. And there was a report yesterday that said that it, it they are full-fledged uh, heading into a committee. Yeah. Beat writers often get this stuff wrong for what it's worth. Like they, they are making predictions right now based on what they're seeing. But based on Josh McDaniels and, and kind of what we know, I think, do you think Jacobs is still the leader of this committee? And do you think he gets those high value touches that we kind of need him to have? Yes, because there's always a leader of the running back room. Now, is it like a, by this enormous margin? No, but there's always a leader of this room. So for that, like Jacobs is still the leader. I mean, look at last year, Damon Harris, there's a lot of touches from other running backs and, he still had 15 touchdowns and a lot of yards. So I think that's definitely, you know, I don't think Jacobs gets 15 touchdowns or anything like that, but he's definitely is a high touchdown volume type of guy, especially in this high touchdown volume offense now, uh, even though it was already, but now it's increased to, you know, tenfold with a top receiver. So he can continue to be the lead dog easy. 
like people are overconfident in Samir White taking too many touches, just like they're overconfident in Brian Robinson, just like they're overconfident in everybody the fuck else. They're they're very confident that every rookie right now is taking all these touches away from everyone else. Um, and I, I mean, I heard today even, you know, just, oh, well, you know, if they want to know what they have in Zemir White, they have to give him the bulk of the touches. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's not how this works. No. He, You earn touches in practice and training camp, and you get a couple touches and continue to earn touches on the field. Josh Jacobs will not lose touches because of that. If anything, it would be, um, oh, fucking hell. Drake, Bolden, no. Abdullah, Kenyon Drake. Drake, yeah. Drake would be the one losing yes. touches in that scenario. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, Jacobs is still clearly the lead back. Yeah, I agree there. Um, yeah, I, you made a good point. With running backs and wide receivers, it's different than quarterbacks. We said that Desmond Ritter has to, they need to know what they have in him. That's because they're headed for a top five pick, probably. And they yeah. have the opportunity to draft what will be their franchise guy you're not going to see what Desmond Ritter is with him in practice as much. I mean, you might in training camp and practice, but you're not going to know until he's doing it in the game with running backs and wide receivers. That's not the case. Like they can progressively earn a bigger role. That's how it works with those positions. So, yeah, I mean, like, well, it's the same. I mean, look at, look at Tony Pollard. He has for the last four years continued to gain a bigger role um, in every year we're told by people in the industry that he's going to severely out-touch Zeke this year. And it just doesn't happen. And they're saying the same thing this year. And while I do think he, again, can increase workflow, uh, he's still not out-touching Zeke. So, again, the the overzealous attempts to get the the handcuff uh, to be the starter from analysts is, is very... Unbecoming to hear. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually a good transition over to the Seattle backfield. Um, yes. This is more of a battle, I think, but it is. So Rashad Penny is there. He had one of the most dominant stretches over the last few weeks last year of any running back in the ever. NFL. Yeah, like really ever. Yeah, I mean, he was averaging a stupid amount of yards. He was efficient. I actually rewatched one of those games with my seven day free trial of NFL Plus, and. Uh, he looked – he was running like Nick Chubb. Like, like, I'm not even joking when I said, oh, that's not Rashad Penny that I know uh, that gets hurt every other play. They drafted Ken Walker in the second round, and a lot of people project Ken Walker to kind of be the starter. How do you see this playing out? Do you think that he does kind of overtake Penny as the year goes on? Do you think that he wins the job out of camp? I don't see him winning the job out of camp. I agree. Um, and I, and I don't see him as a backup necessarily either. Um, Penny's getting – Penny as a starter, as a healthy competitor, because let's not forget who he plays for. Uh, and Pete Carroll is, you know, he's the Terry Francona of the NFL. He's the most loyal guy. Even if you're dog shit at this point, he's going to keep rolling you out there because he's loyal to you. So – Penny is not that as of late, and if he's healthy, he's going to get no anywhere from 15 to 18 touches. And that, by the way, that 20 plus touch a week article, that clip that they took, that's what the article actually said. 
So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in in those four games that he had, he did get twenty plus carries. So they know with that kind of value what he can do, and that is the game script they want to have. Um, is it realistic? No, but at least early on, I think he can continue to dominate. And all reports out of camp are the two rookie tackles are absolutely dominating. And so with that, you know, and both guys we loved, obviously, but yeah, uh, with, that, with that with that happening, <laughs> Penny will not be losing the job. Uh, can Kenneth Walker continue to get more touches? Yeah, but we're, you're basically saying, well, we don't think Penny is going to get 15, 18 carries because they're going to be a negative game scripts, but we're, we think Kenneth Walker is going to continue to take touches. I mean, I don't see if we're not increasing the running total, how are we increasing Kenneth Walker touches unless we're cutting Rashad Penny from the, the list, basically, which might happen with an injury, but we'll see. And it, there could be a time where that happens and Chris Carson's ready to come back. And then what the fuck happens? So yeah. uh, for me, I, the fact that Kenneth Walker in redraft is still going before Rashad Penny is wrong. Um, yes. If you put them back to back, I would still say it's wrong, but at least I would be okay with that because you're you're taking the upside of what we both probably view as a better runner on paper. But what we saw from Penny that stretch last year, not just the yard total, but actually the the vision and the footwork and the burst and, and just agility and everything, and and really a little bit of downhill prowess as well, which you don't see from injury ridden backs. You know it. it he was better. He was. He looked like he was at the end of his rookie contract and has progressed as a running back. So I'm very happy to be taking him where he's falling right now, and I'm very happy to pass on Walker. Yeah, he looked like one of the best running backs in the league. And if 100%. he if if that form comes back, then Ken Walker was just a terrible pick. That's not going to win the job. They're going to extend well, Penny. Um, and then I well, think that. <laughs> This is a rebuilding team of sorts. So if if it Penny is. does keep up, let's say, I mean, he's not going to have that pace. Let's just be forthcoming. But even if he can keep up like 80% of that and just look the same and just not have the same numbers uh, because it's just impossible yeah. um, without Russell Wilson, it's just impossible. But if he can be about 80% of that, then he might get priced out of Seattle and then Walker – is the good pick because I do think Walker is the future of this backfield. It's just <laughs> Penny is the the now. For sure. Uh, we don't have time to go over like all of these, but Kareem Hunt versus Dearness Johnson. I think that's a, a worthy discussion because of it's, Kareem Hunt's cap hit. Um, yeah. So this isn't an on field competition. This is a, this is a GMC look at competition because yeah. I think, I'll speak for you for a second here, but I think in both of our opinions, I don't think both are on the roster day one. I, I think one of these guys is going either for cap reasons or we keep Hunt because, you know, he's a good fit and him and Chubb are actually friends and apparently the only person Chubb will talk to. Um, <laughs> and then Dearness gets you a pretty, you know, a relatively high value for running back pick compensation or, you know, a valuable replacement after someone gets hurt. I just think one of these guys will be gone uh, by the end of training camp with the addition of Jerome Ford and last year's pick at Felton. The room is getting just too crowded with way too many good bodies. You know, it's just, it's going to, you can't keep them all 
<laughs> literally you have to cut one of them. You can keep four. <laughs> you cannot keep five. See, I think Felton's gone personally. See, I think and that's certainly like, so Felton is the worst of the group, but by, by a lot too. Like Deanna Johnson was good last year and he's shown 100%. that he can and so was be, fun, you know. For sure. I think if they're looking at like if Chubb goes down again, what do we do? If Hunt's also hurt, are we gonna turn and give it to Jerome Ford? They probably could, and he'd probably be good enough <laughs> um, behind that offensive line. So it's an interesting one to keep keep up with. I think Dearness showing out in camp might be uh, leading to a trade. I I, I think because I think they do want to keep Kareem for what it's Kareem has said he wants to stay in Cleveland the rest of his career. So, and again, um, he is, it, it's the pairing fit. Mm-hmm. And I think Kareem is a little bit more versatile than Chubb, whereas Dearness is more of just a lesser version of Chubb. So that's why for me, it's a clear, especially because they actually have the most cap right now. So yeah, the cap cutting costs for this year seems silly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Tyler Algier versus Damian Williams, and I guess Cordero Patterson, but that's kind of a weird thing because there have been reports that Cordero is going to get more work at wide receiver to everyone's dismay. Um, Yeah, I know. Um, I want him to get – he was good last year because he played both. And then Sleeper's like, but he was a running back. But we got Debo wide receiver. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. But anyway, yeah, so there was a report that Tyler Algier could take over the starting role but before the end of the season. That's a big projection. I don't think that he will be the starter. I think that Cordero is going to be the starting running back, technically, with Algier getting meaningful carries. I think that yeah. whoever is on the starting uh, lineup on Sunday night football saying their name doesn't really matter because I think they're going to need it back like Algier. Um, so this, this year doesn't fantasy wise this year doesn't matter for Algier for me. Like, cause I think if it was more of a dynasty piece, he just needs to take the role. So when we get, we're running into camp next year, they're not drafting another top end running back. They're letting Algier take the role. Uh, as this team continues to grow under its new leadership, basically. And he could be the running back of the future because I there's he definitely has three dot upside. So I think this is a place where he can thrive. Damian Williams is we need to see the camp battle between them two more than anything to see if Williams earns touches early on or not. That's what we gotta watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Devin Singletary versus James Cook. This isn't really a battle. I put it on here just to say that Devin Singletary has received every single first team rep thus far. He's the starter. There is no battle. James Cook might get some receiving down work, and that's cool. Uh, he might get the Zach Moss role from last year. So Zach Moss is probably getting cut for what it's worth. Yep. Uh, Sony Michelle versus Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert did get cleared to uh, go today. I think this is worth noting. I think both of them make the team personally. Um, I think it could be them we'll versus see. Gaskin uh, to to make the team, I guess, because there's not a whole lot tied to any of them. Um, but I do expect one of Michelle or Moster to lead the team in carries. And I think personally it's Michelle. I think I don't think that happens, but I know you're I think one of the two seven. have one of the two have a a fantasy relevant role is what I'll agree with. Fair. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Marlon Mack versus Damian Pierce versus Rex Burkhead. Yeah. We talked about this last week, so yeah. don't need to really dive into that. Travis Etienne versus James Robinson. Um, kind of worth noting at this point. We, we um, kind of went over it last week as well. Robinson being healthy is means a split backfield. Yeah, that's for sure. what it means. Yeah, and that's what Doug Peterson is going to want to do. All right, let's move oh, over to the wide receivers. Um, so the first one we'll start with is Kansas City. It's the hardest room to project. We've kind of talked about it already, but uh, Marcos Valdez Scantling versus Juju Smith Schuster versus Sky Moore versus McCall Hardman. Uh, we need to see who's starting right now. Hardman's projected as the starter over Sky Moore. Sky Moore has been showing out uh, early in camp. Yeah. He's been one of Mahomes' favorite targets, which shout out to us for having Sky Moore ranked really highly. Um, although everyone kind of did by the end. But um, do, who do you think kind of takes this? Are, are these the three starters by the end of the year? These are the three starters for me. Yeah. Okay. And I think Sky is the third. Um, at least to start the year, just because he's the rookie. Uh, you paid these other two guys. I think one of them sticks around for the next patch, and the other doesn't. So I think you you kind of flesh that out. I think there's a better chance that, ironically, just because I think Juju is probably a better receiver, I think FVS is a better chance of sticking around long term, just because of what Sky can bring to the table in the slot as well as outside, I think Juju isn't kind of going to be hopping on teams again. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do think I Hartman do. does get a role for what it's worth. So for, for what it's worth, I have Juju as the target leader, I believe. I just think he gets fed early and often. And then as Sky builds his role to equal out with MVS in my rankings, I think he takes over a little bit more of the slot and they realize Juju is a you know replaceable piece with Sky, and MVS is a more weapon in this offense as the outside than Juju can be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about that that battle because I I would it's, love to see Sky win and be the wide receiver one. Hundred percent, it'd be the fun outcome. It's yeah. just I just don't see it. For sure. Um, okay, so the Browns wide receiver room. I don't think there's a whole lot of fantasy value here until Watson's back for what it's worth, whenever that may yeah. be. So um, let's just, yeah, for, for this one, and it's also a wide receiver too, you know, it's just which one between DPJ, David Bell, Jakeem Grant is the wide receiver two in your And Schwartz, I guess. I, Schwartz is a wide receiver three, baby. <laughs> I don't think he can compete with these three. The problem is Bell is already, you know, on the pup. Um, so sure is. Unfortunately, even though I think talent-wise he should be competing in this, I think he might be out. For now. Yeah, I think Peoples Jones probably wins this to start, but he's not—he's not very good, man. I just don't—I don't think Peoples Jones we'll is see, very good. So I don't think I—I'm not sure we've ever seen him develop. That's that's the, that's the problem. Yeah, and heading into year three, that's problematic. Um, so um, I mean. Year six, really. I mean, we, yeah. we saw him kind of break out as a freshman in college. It never really progressed since then. Yeah, it's it's not great. I think once David Bell's healthy, I think he does earn the wide receiver two role for what it's worth. Um, Agreed. 
All right, uh, Josh Palmer versus Jalen Guyton. I kind of just tweeted about this, and Josh Palmer is already just Palmer's won those, I think, already. Yeah, I yeah. to be yeah. honest, I do this in here because I was trying to think of him quickly. Um, yeah, and this is definitely a camp battle. I just think Palmer's got this locked up at this point. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Popper might be his name from the Athletic. Sounds like a name. Um, he already reported that Palmer is he's staying after to work with Herbert. Herbert loves him. I think Palmer has flex value, standalone flex value, and then he's yeah. your injury replacement for Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I think so. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a best ball darling, just yeah. because I, there is going to be weeks that he is the wide receiver one of the team as the wide receiver three, and if any of them go down. He is automatically vaulted in touches. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, and Khalil Shakir are kind of battling for the slot wide receiver role. Isaiah McKenzie is in the lead right now. I don't think Jamison Crowder is going to make the team at this point. Surprising. Um, but yeah. I get it. I, I also get it. I think McKenzie kind of earned that with his backfield snaps last year. And he, he worked pretty well. Um, when needed as a wide receiver. I think they used him better as a running back for what it's worth, but that's going to be James <laughs> Cook this year. So, um, And that's the thing. I think that's the nail in the coffin for Crowder, unfortunately, is I think he gets cut because not only is McKenzie and Secure, you know, more slots of the future, James Cook could also play in the slot at times as well as, you know, McKenzie and him played inside, outside of that regard. So yeah. I, I do think Crowder is the odd man out. And I'm not sure McKenzie really is the three necessarily. Like, I mean, I think that would still be Knox or Singletary, but he would be the next man up, basically. Yeah. I think Shakir's going to kind of overtake that role eventually for what it's worth. So um, I also Big think steps. he could work as an X behind Diggs, at, like give him breathers at times and kind of earn his role that way. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, I put in here Elijah Moore versus Garrett Wilson just to kind of see who the winner of that battle is. I think it doesn't matter because Elijah Moore, yeah. Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis are going to be on the field all at the same time. However that works out, that works out. Um, yeah, that's literally just who's going to be the one. That's that's what that battle is for camp. Yeah. Uh, James Prochet versus Devin Duvernay. Uh, this is one that we will forever – we won't fight about it, but – uh, Randy thinks it's, it's Duvernay. It's reportedly been Prochet's so far, for what it's worth. That Prochet's been standing out. Um, I don't think it matters much because Lamar looks like he's about 25 pounds heavier, and I think he's going to run the ball a lot this year. I think that's what they're kind of beefing him up for. To me, well, and you know, a little bit of backstory Prochet was one of your favorites of the draft class, Duvernay probably was my favorite of the draft class. He was, yeah. Um, so it's just been we've, – we've always kind of argued, and we had him ranked very close together then too. Um, to me, for this battle, I'm just looking at my eyes. And with Lamar out there last year, Duvernay kept increasing his targets, just plain and simple. And he was, he was valuable as a chain mover and sometimes in the red zone. So – because of that, I'm going to take him, and mainly because we haven't really seen anything from Prochet. Not that I don't think he's talented and uh, don't think that he can easily become 
uh, a vital weapon in this. And I think he does kind of have a leg up because of Bateman being a little bit more of an inside-outside guy, Prochet. While he can do that, I think he can excel on the outside, where Duvernay really can't. He's, he's more of a pure slot. So that's why I do think he does have a chance to be the, the pure wide receiver too. But the targets, I think, go to Duvernay. To be honest, we'll, we'll, man. We'll fucking see. I really don't know. Yeah. To and to be honest, I think both of these guys could be off the field quite a bit, and they run thirteen yeah, that's, personnel that's a lot this year because they just drafted another sixteen tight ends. So yeah, they uh, two of which could line up outside. <laughs> yeah, and if Nick Boyle does have anything left, they're keeping four tight ends on the roster. Either way. Yeah. That could, if Nick Boyle has something, because I think Nick Boyle's getting cut. I've heard his knee is pretty much toast, but if he, they could keep five tight ends and then roll with like four wide receivers on the whole team the whole year. I think that's a realistic outcome. So, yeah, which um, both these guys would make the team in that aspect, but we'll see. It would. Yeah, they would. Uh, Broncos. I think it's worth noting. So we know there's a Sutton and Judy battle. We're not going to know that. Obviously, I think what's worth noting is Tim Patrick versus a guy like KJ Hamler, who offers a little bit more speed, a little bit of a different flavor for Russell Wilson. We've seen Russell Wilson really like his his speed, wide receivers, smaller guys. He targets them downfield. I think it's worth noting KJ Hamler should probably have an eye on him as I don't know who he's battling with at this point. I think Patrick, maybe Judy, maybe even Sutton. I think that there be, will be a role for him. It would be Patrick because Judy is a little bit more of a speedster too deep, um, at least route running wise. He gets he gets open easily deep. So yeah. again, it, it is just very easy to cut and paste the last scenario and Sutton's DK, Judy's Lockett. Well, both were favorites. You know, like both were favorites in different games. Both got used for different schemes. Um, the the more consistent option. I guess was DK, but Lockett had the better games. And I think Judy has the talent to be more consistent and have those big games. But I agree. I don't don't think us fully arguing over them two is really going to do much. It's more, I think Hamler does have a chance um, to rise as the wide receiver three just because of a little bit of a different skill set, like you said. And it's worth noting, I don't think this team's going to run a lot of four wide receiver sets. I, no, and Pro- so, probably none. They're, they're exclusively going to be doing two or three wide receivers because they have two tight ends that they love. So, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, we'll just... we, yeah, we could just transition. <laughs> I, we have here James Washington versus Jalen Tolbert. That's been a reported battle. I think with yeah. James Washington being hurt in the spring, I think Tolbert might actually have a leg up here. Gallup's hurt to start the year. This one won't matter as much. We won't find out till later. But it's worth noting how they're performing. And then the Bears, besides Darnell Mooney, kind of fleshing out who the wide receiver two is going to be. Byron Pringle, Vilas Jones would be the the battle that I'm kind of watching because I think those yeah. are the two favorites. But Equinamia St. Brown has the uh, the connection with uh, Luke Getze from last year, so maybe he kind of And Kill Harry, bro, come on. I forgot about him. He doesn't even count. Everyone He's probably does. getting cut. So did Bill. Uh, For sure. I, I hope he finds a role. I hope he finds a role. Um, yeah. Uh, so tight ends really quickly. Uh, you kind of mentioned that the Broncos have two tight ends that they like. 
reports have been that Greg Dolchich has been showing out uh, ever since he got there. Albert Aquebunam, that's not how you say it. I fuck it up every time. Um, th- he's the incumbent, right? So we kind of have penciled him in as the, the starter. Uh, what do you think happens here? Do you think Dolchich has a chance to get on the field early? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think they both play a lot. Um, Albert O is the more versatile tight end. Like, he plays – he's a decent blocker and he's a good receiver. It's just Dolchich is so natural with the hands and route running that he is standing out. So that, that's why he's going to be forced on the field because he's just too good not to. And unfortunately, I think for this year, we're not really going to have a full fantasy relevant option here um, because we've seen in the past, uh, Wilson tries to get his tight ends involved. um, And we've seen it where two were kind of fighting for the snaps and neither really won, unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think Dolchich is like – not a one-for-one comparison, but the Disley, where we do see the flashes of the really good receiving work downfield. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, Alberto, has, he hasn't had opportunity. I don't think he's very good. I think he's athletic, but that doesn't show up on tape, and yep. that's the strange part about him. So uh, we'll see how it works out this year. Uh, and in camp, we're going to find out. There's a chance that Dolchich wins the freaking job from week one. I think that's a realistic outcome. Um, next one, Daniel Bellinger versus Ricky Seals Jones worth noting that Bellinger did hit the pup. Um, and so yeah, I think that I saw that he's probably going to, I think he's going to lose that battle, but I think that's a guy that could win it, you know, week five, week six, week seven, whenever he's kind of yeah. been practicing for a while. And then lastly, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin, uh, Jeremy Rucker went on the pup as well. And so I think it is just down to these two. There's a chance the Jets just run a ton of 12 personnel as well and uh, keep, I don't know, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis off the field. Seems a little strange, but signing two tight ends and drafting one is a strange thing to do. So Yeah, I, I think um, Conklin will be the more proverbial starter with Uzama being schemed up touches. Yeah. Yeah, it, and they have versatility. They can do a lot of different things on offense. I think uh, week one comes around. I don't think it matters who's starting because I think that they're in there. Um, okay. Yeah, really quickly. I, so, do you want to do you want to push the NFC South stuff to next week? Do you think we can? Because we so we went really long on these. We added a ton of training camp battles. So I think what we'll do is we'll just pause the nfc south talk we'll come back to that next week we'll couple that with something i don't remember what we have in store for you next week well yeah we'll run with something um we did cover a couple of these as well at different position battles so uh giving a slight break to go through them a little bit more in depth next week is fine with me because i would like to i mean we gotta keep we can't do a whole another segment right now so no i mean we take a half hour on these so uh, but, but we do have to do Marble Talk, and that's kind of part of this. So um, so that'll do it for training camp battles. Uh, if we miss some, I mean, we we probably did. There are a lot of battles happening, obviously. Um, and we stuck to the fantasy-relevant ones. So we know that yeah. there are going to be other positions battling. And other ones, other ones that we possibly miss will come up in the news as well, and we'll talk about them then. 
when, when we have more of a report. Like, we're not going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens running back room because we have no fucking clue right now because the best running back is on the pup. So, yeah. Um, on Mike Davis, baby. It's Mike Davis. And, and, and I don't want to talk about Javante versus Melvin Gordon. So, <laughs> no. Yeah, they're, they're camp battles that are important and will kind of change the way you draft your fantasy teams. And then there are camp battles that are just – it, it, this is like kind of like Cortland Sutton. Snap count battles, really. Yeah, is yeah. What, and so it's and even then with with some positions that stuff doesn't matter because they're going to be on the yeah. field together. Uh, it's just determining who the favorites are. Um, but what? Yeah, like you said, we'll talk about all that stuff in the news as it comes up. There will be more news. Now we're in training camp now. There will be tons and tons of news. A lot. So. Unfortunately, a lot of it injuries. But yeah, that is. That is a bummer. All right, um, let's get over to Marvel Talk before we get out of here. We kind of went over quite a bit, so we've got like 10 minutes. We can dive into all the Marvel stuff. First thing, Miss Marvel. We didn't get to talk about anything Miss Marvel for like a month. First thing, spoiler warning, we will talk about stuff. So if you haven't watched Miss Marvel, if you haven't watched the new Thor movie, if you, that's probably about it. I mean, the other stuff we might talk about, you don't really need to have seen. So... Just, just in case, stop listening, and we'll kind of, as we transition, we'll, if you've watched Ms. Marvel, not Thor, we'll say, but we're talking about switching to Thor here, just just so you know, out of fairness. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you watched the Miss Marvel finale, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, so, first thing I want to give my my quick review. Miss Marvel, I raved about it, first couple episodes, loved it, was all the way in slowed way down to where I was like, man, I have to watch Miss Marvel this week. That sucks. Um, I get it. There was a backstory. They needed to get to it. That's kind of what this whole phase of everything has been, in my opinion, is just kind of like building yeah. it again. And then the finale came and it was great. It was fantastic. I really liked how they ended the series. It went back to the vibes from the first two episodes, which was cool. Um, what do you think of the finale? Where do you think they go from here? Uh, Fidelity was great. Um, like like you said, the, the first episode, episode and a half, was really good, and then the final episode was good. And I, I'd say maybe the the very back half of the fifth episode was good as well. Um, so you really have a, a very disappointing middle chunk that really shoves this uh, <laughs> the series way down the list, unfortunately. But the ending was very very good, like you said, and uh, officially well done. Uh, uh, a little bit better mastering of you know the powers and everything, a little bit more understanding. It was all just really well done, in my opinion. And uh, where it goes next, I mean, I think it's the same thing with um, you know with Hawkeye with Kate Bishop, where yeah, we saw this growth and you know this learning and uh, you know really getting to see the skills be you know given to the next level, and we're at a standstill. And I think we're going to be the same part until we get to more of a, a young Avengers. To where this can actually be used and i will hopefully get into this uh, the comic con and talk about where they might be thrown in but it might not be for a while which is the problem well kamala is confirmed to be in marvels uh yes the marvels so that is the captain marvel sequel but it's which not just that in phase five right <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up. You can check that out real quick. But <laughs> uh, but again, it, it was uh, it was a very well done finale, and like you said, it was it was 
big to kind of finalize the whole story of it all and kind of get the backstory. And yeah, a majority of this has been either a phase four has either been uh, an origin or a, a re recasting and putting towards the future kind of situation, or just more of an homage to the character like uh, Black Widow to really give more of a backstory in that situation to a, the longstanding and ended character. Um, and much deserved. I mean, she that movie probably could have been the phase three. I mean, <laughs> it, it would have really been fine with me if it were going to cramp in even um, because it was really well done and it's a deserved movie. And I, I really liked a lot of phase four, but there's a little bit some that dragged on. I know a lot of people have, uh, as we get into Thor here, I know a lot of people have complained about some of the newer movies being a different style than the, the cookie cutter Marvel. Um, they, they literally did what people asked. People asked for the directors to be able to direct their own movies, and they did that, and some people don't like it, and that means you don't really like the director, and that's that's perfectly fine. But if if you don't like Thor, Love and Thunder for the way it was told, I'm not sure you like the other Thor movies. I, <laughs> right. you know, I, I have a theory about this, too. I think that Feige said you guys can do your thing because we're in the build-up stage and yeah. then we're going to get back to our formula for phase five and phase six. Yeah, exactly. They, Which is they have to. 100% fine with. Let, exactly. let them let them flesh out the characters in a different way. We get to see a little bit more. And a lot of it went back to a little bit more of comic book accuracy than the cookie-cutter Marvel style as well. Which is what Feige has always wanted to do. It's just mm-hmm. he didn't know if he had the reins to do that because that wasn't what this was when they first started. Um, let's move over to Th- Love and Thunder. Really quick, Miss Marvel is Phase 5. It comes out on July 28th, 2023. Oh. So, in a year. Yes. I, oh, yeah. damn it. That's just... Of course, of course the Marvel movie around my birthday is Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> hopefully this yeah. one's much better. There's, there's a theory, so spoiler alert again. Uh, Captain Marvel shows up in the post credit of Miss Marvel. Um, she gets transported into uh, Kamala's room, and there's a theory that Kamala then gets transported to wherever Miss Marvel was, probably on a different planet. And then the whole movie is going to be Kamala trying to find her way home, but also Miss or Captain Marvel trying to find her. Um, yeah. Which I think is a cool premise. I like. I, I'm. Cool premise, yeah. I'm. I'm in for that. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, first, I liked it. I, I I will say I've liked all the movies this, this time around. I haven't loved them the way... Th- but here's the thing. So I entered Marvel, the MCU, right before like the last couple of Avengers films. I didn't watch them at the beginning. I, I kind of binged them all. And so... I probably would have felt like, oh, those were good movies if I didn't watch them consecutively and and knowing what they were building to. So now that I know what everything's building to, when I go back and watch these last few movies, I'm going to say, okay, I, I get it now. And these are better movies because of that. And I think Feige knew that, which is why they dropped so much freaking news over the weekend um, yeah. at Comic-Con. But Thor Love and Thunder, good movie. Uh, I had... VFX issues. I think I'm going to always have VFX issues now because I know that Marvel um, sucks at paying their creators and stuff. Um, 
I hope they fix that soon uh, so that the VFX are good. Um, but a good movie, funny movie, the probably the funniest Marvel movie ever. Yeah, up there. Uh, well, no, because technically in canon, Deadpool is Marvel. So I'm going to give that the odd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that you kind of got to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Speaking of Deadpool, they didn't announce yeah. anything about Deadpool. But go on. That was that was uh, kind of pre-announced though. That Deadpool it, three was coming, and you yeah, know they did different stuff with that. So, but Thor: Love and Thunder, I I would say it, it was very very good. I, I definitely liked it. I, it's close to love. I mean, it, it was probably my. I would say it's probably my second favorite of this phase. Uh, obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home is taking the cake no matter what there. But uh, this was really good. It was very well done. Definitely in the same uh, you know, character vein as all Thor has been. A little bit more comedy-driven um, against you know maybe like Dark World, which was trying to be a little bit more serious and didn't come, as, come across as well. They just stuck with the the strength and the the laughter aspects of Thor, which is what people resonate with more than the the, the, the you know edgy you know focused dark side stuff. So I think I mean Chris Hemsworth absolutely kills it as always. I think this movie could easily benefit with a side you know Avenger in it or you know like you know like Ragnarok is I think everyone would say is the best Thor movie. And it's because it has help besides just Thor, uh, massive help. Where this is basically Thor, you know, <laughs> on his own with with no one. I mean, you have other people in it. It's just not that level. And the Guardians are in for two scenes. A scene, yeah, yeah, they're gone. And <laughs> um, I mean, even you know, Core takes a little bit of a downfall. It isn't really in a lot of it besides just being at the back of something. So. It was really tough in that aspect. To, I mean, he had to carry it a bit, but it was it was really well done. Um, I, I liked a lot of aspects of it. I liked the. I know a lot of people complained about the silliness of you know uh, Stormbreaker being jealous the whole time, but I, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, I the, laughed the, the little first, like three times. I think yeah, the the, I, the sixth or seventh time I think was a bit much, but. The first three were absolutely hilarious. It's just like great. slowly appearing and turning towards him and turning away. It's just, oh, it's it fucking good. gold. And the and, goats, you know, dude. The goats yeah. are fucking hilarious. I, I literally went, every time. Me and a sweet, you know, a rotational cast here. We went with a couple friends here. And the, the one, she said that she, you know, paid $16 and probably was going to take a nap in between. And then the goats started streaming. I'm like, she ain't fucking napping at all now. <laughs> take that. But it... it <laughs> They were, they were good comedy relief and just kept adding to it. It was annoying, I thought, the first time, and then it just it got funnier, which is the opposite of the Stormbreaker thing. <laughs> yeah, but it true. was just very it was very well done, in my opinion. I think it was a good conclusion to the the Jane Foster, at least until you know the end of Thor. Uh, yeah, that you know she's I don't think she's coming back from Valhalla. So in the yeah. end of Thor, we'll see probably a, a connection. Uh, between them and his family and and Hondu and everyone at the end, which will be nice. But when do you think Thor's gonna die? Because we know now he's gonna die, right? Like, yeah, he showed Valhalla. Die, 100%. But it, it's very weird because you know, in most comics, he you know just lives for a very very long time because that's what you know Asgardians do. Mm-hmm. So I think there's gonna be a lot of. I don't think he really dies. 
This is okay. the problem. I think he dies in Secret the Wars. The second Secret Wars. Secret like he's a little bit of an Iron Man thing where he's the final blow against Kang. Yeah, but he gets to go live Batman. with he gets to go live with yeah. Jane at Valhalla, which I think yes. will be a cool ending. So Yeah. Which we didn't but, really get obviously with Iron Man or Black Widow in their aspects right. of Endgame. So right. that would be nice. Um yeah. Also, just the the little, you know, barely trying uh, side story of course people mating is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it's good. just so good. You and a you and a good bro, you just go hold hands on a volcano and boom, baby boy. God damn it. <laughs> it yeah, it was good. I like that as well. Um, you mentioned it was your second favorite. It's my third. I had uh, Shang Chi right ahead of it. I would have those. Uh, I would take Thor over just because I like the comedy a bit better. But I'm more of a comedy movie guy, so that's yeah. that's fair. But I think they're basically on par. And so, yeah. Shang Chi was one of the better origin films I've seen. Yes, yeah, for sure. All right, really quickly, uh, I'm not going to run through like release dates and everything. San Diego Comic Con yeah, happened. Definitely. If you if you're into Marvel stuff, you already know this, but it was kind of nuts. They so they went for the phase five slate phase five slate starts with Quantumania and, and reintroduces Kang or kind of introduces Kang. Um, well, qu- quickly before you finish. So we still have She-Hulk is and Echo on this one or is it next? Next. They Echo's next. It. So we have She-Hulk coming soon and uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever coming in November to finish off phase four. And then we go into five. Yes. And really quickly on that, the trailer dropped for Wakanda Forever, okay. and it's the best trailer Marvel has ever made. It looks, it it it, it looks so freaking good, dude. It they did a good job of not of giving the story without giving the story as well. Uh, so I, I'm very very hyped for it, and that's coming. I mean, I I watched Black Panther in theaters, but I wasn't like overly amped for it necessarily, and I thought I was definitely impressed by it. Um, so I, I'm expecting good things from this. So yeah, it's going to be emotionally charged. The whole movie is a dedication to Chadwick Boseman. It's going to be nuts. Um, Rightfully so. So yeah. So then, Quantumania kicks off Phase Five. Secret Invasion, Echo, Guardians of the Galaxy, Loki Season Two, The Marvels, Blade, Ironheart, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, Daredevil: Born Again, which is 18 episodes of Daredevil coming back. Just s- silliness uh captain america new world order which is the most badass title they've ever come up with and then thunderbolts um if there's not an nwo reference in that movie i will be disappointed slightly but i'll be okay with it i'm sure i'm sure it'll be in there also the guardians trailer was played at san diego comic-con some things leaked about it it's going to be kind of uh rockets they're going to dive into rockets past with it and i they showed a little baby raccoon. I have it saved on my phone um, because it Marvel wiped the internet of it, um, which is cool. Um, but this phase is nuts. Also, then they went into phase six, which yeah, will conclude right. the, the multiverse saga, which is what this is called, which is also cool. Phase six is going to be fantastic for uh, a, a bunch of stuff. But what we know so far is uh, fantastic Four. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, which is 
badass name as well. And then Secret Wars, which is a very, very popular comic line. Two um, of them, right? So Kang Dynasty is the one Avengers movie, and then Secret Wars is the okay, second. Got it. Yeah. That's but, what I, I was like, is it is it the Avengers or is it two Yeah. So a little bit of background, because I've been reading up on it. So Kang Kang's problem is well, his not problem. He's got he, a lot of problems. He, he does have a lot of problems, but he wants to rule all timelines. He wants to rule every single verse, universe, and the multiverse. And he causes incursions to happen. And so all the universes kind of butt heads. They mentioned it in Doctor Strange, which now, again, you look back at that movie and say, oh, that's cool. They mentioned that way back then. Three years later, we're going to get Secret Wars, which is an incursion happening all these different um, universes kind of converge and then they pretty much fight to the death, I think is what happens. Um, so that there's just one universe. This is going to end the multiverse saga, meaning I don't think we get any multiverse after that. But Marvel fans are like, how this doesn't make sense. Really, Secret Wars should happen in 15 years after they've built everything up. And so I have no idea what they're doing. Feige knows what they're doing. He's got the next 10 years plan and that comes in three years. So um, yeah. Thoughts, um, thoughts on any of this. I mean, like, I mean, there's, there's just so there's much really, you really can't dive into anything. I mean, no. I think all the, the TV series, I think I'm all really excited about. Um, uh, I mean, there's a couple movies in there that are not, you know, top flight to, to go see, but I will see. And, I, I do think there's a good. I hope this Ant Man is a little bit better than the second. I, I really, I mean, I didn't think it was like a step up, but I think this one kind of has to be. So I, I am excited for that. Uh, yeah, it, it's a good way to kick it off. I think it's just, and I think so. The function of Ant Man movies in the past has been to advance the story. It has been yes. a funny little kind of turn your mind off, but then towards the end, it advances the story in a crazy way. Yeah. They're introducing the big bad in this, like, kind of introducing. Well, He's already introduced. Reintroducing but this version. The phase. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, uh, it the one we saw is dead. So. And there's there's a line that Jonathan Majors delivers because they also played a clip of this or a trailer or something. Uh where Scott Lang says, uh, I'm an Avenger or something like you, they're fighting. They meet face to face. And uh, Kang says, oh, you're an Avenger. Have I killed you before? <laughs> and then that's kind of how it ends, which is cool. And Kang like narrates the whole thing. It's going to be it's going to be good. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I mean, we're we're at a good future. I get why people were like, but people were like that with. Infinity War and Endgame, though, as well. They were like, I don't think we'll get enough. And in fairness, again, like I said, I, I think you know Black Widow could have had the movie quicker. And there's a couple of things that we could have had a little more depth on the characters beforehand. Um, but this isn't DC, so uh, I'll trust it. You know, exactly. Because uh, even if the characters are fully fleshed out, then you know we'll, they usually at least get them back. You know, I, I mean. The, the main two is Black Widow and Hawkeye. They've, you know, returned the favor with solo stuff since. Uh, the, the, my problem with the whole thing is I, we, do, we didn't get a, another Spider-Man announced, right? 
Not, not no. actually. But the He's, major thing is we haven't gotten another solo Hulk film. And I am annoyed by that. Not that it's out of the phase six possibility, because there's still a lot of gaps not filled in, but there's so there's con- contractual things that stop that from happening. I've so Universal still holds the rights to distribute the film. And so there's a rumor that they're they want to do World World War Hulk, or I think is what it's called. Yeah. A pretty huge Hulk storyline. And they're going to just do it on Disney Plus because Universal doesn't have the rights to the show, which is why we're seeing Bruce Banner again in She-Hulk, because they pretty much can only do him in team-up movies or TV shows, which sucks. I wish that contract had ended because I would really like to see an actual Hulk solo. I'm sure it'd be worth um, a buyout of the contract, just saying. But again, it's... It's, I mean, this, literally, this Hulk has not got a solo film, and he's been one of the most major characters in every single movie, and in, you know, sidekick movies, and he's he's been a super vital part of this, and the fact that he hasn't gotten a, a solo is kind of shit, and I don't, I'm, a, I'm fine with not having an origin, like, I'm fine with just jumping right to World War Hulk and going more of an endgame Hulk kind of shit, um, it just sucks that it might be in phase seven. That, that yeah. sucks. So, and that's another note. Phase six is going to have a lot more. It's going to have the next Spider-Man movie, I think. It um, will. It's just, it wasn't announced, which sucks. But which, if it's not final, I, I'm fine with it. It's just, I figured and, it would be. And also, this was just the taste. They have D23 in September, and yeah. they're going to have major announcements there because that's Disney's thing. So, yeah, I think, I think we'll Spider-Man be- gets announced there. And I'm, I would love if Hulk comes with that as well, but we'll see. Yeah. And also, Spider-Man has one more, like, credit, not his own movie, uh, in the current deal. So Tom Holland's going to be in Fantastic Four. There's no doubt about it in my mind. He'll um, be in one of them. I, I don't know what it'll be. Cause it could... I mean, he's got to be in Secret Wars, I feel like. Or, or one of yeah. them. He's an Avenger. <laughs> he's an Avenger. Yeah. He has to be in both of those movies. So I don't know what they're doing. He'll get signed on for those, though. Yeah, um, for sure. But that's it's just tough because there's – with him going to you know college now, and obviously, in theory, the next one is Spider-Man freshman year. You know, that's the theory, um, right. which is fine. But it depends where he goes and – what happens and where he goes depends on a lot because of all the new series coming out, like Echo, and uh, uh, obviously, you know, uh, oh my god, uh, Daredevil, yeah, because they've Jesus, already interacted. I, I, I literally kept like Deathstroke, that's not right, Deathstroke, why am I keep saying <laughs> Deathstroke? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm having a stroke, um, <laughs> it was so bad, but. Because he's already been in that, and he's already shown in that universe, kind of like that similarity. It's just tough. I, I'm, I'm very confused. And there's also supposed to be, you know, there's a chance Punisher gets added in, and where does he get added in? How does he get added in? Daredevil supposed, or not Daredevil, uh, you know, Deadpool supposed to get added in. X Men supposed to get added in. It's, it's going to be tough to see how it all gets added. That's the, and that's why I think people are annoyed by the. The Secret Wars because they're like, you could put another ten movies before that, guys. <laughs> well, and that's my theory is that all of Phase Six is going to be announced before 
the end of next year. So we're going to know that Deadpool 3 is in Phase 6. We're going to know that one of the X-Men yeah, movies is, is in Phase 6. Yeah, I mean, there's four movies a year. They're averaging four movies a year and five series, I think, is what we're looking at moving forward. So I mean, re- Realistically, you don't need another X-Men movie. Like, you could have a lot of it in Deadpool and then maybe give them a series. And obviously, they have X-Men 97, uh, right. but that doesn't really count for no. this universe right all right that'll do it for marvel talk we have to we have to go uh randy has to work in the morning i don't but i'm going to see nope tomorrow we might have a nope review on the, the podcast next week but um <laughs> but yeah we'll be back next week for sure with the nfc south depth chart breakdowns we're getting close to schedule predictions and and things like that so those will probably be coming here the next few weeks so uh keep an eye ear out for that or an eye out if you're watching i guess um randy do you have anything to add before we get out of no here? no <laughs> we need to leave <laughs> i know we do all right uh for randy hall i'm christian williams we'll talk to you guys next monday later